0: hello and welcome to anywhere is very good television podcast i'm liz shannon miller at lizlet on the twitters
1: i'm kyle mclaughlin at kyle mclaughlin on the twitters
0: kyle underscore mclaughlin i think is that what it is i think so all right
1: yeah. you outed me it's not kyle mclaughlin guys <gasps>
0: Twists <laughs> i
1: know the voices are the same basically uh, identical yes yes very much so in every way i am both tall, dark, and handsome. Oh wait, none of those are true.
0: Yeah, but Calvin Klein doesn't have a sweet goatee. Oh, you just you shaved off the bot. I just <laughs> it literally I, I, took
1: I'm, you all, all day.
0: day. All Ben participated in No Shave November, um, so ended up with a fine-looking goatee. Literally all day, I've been looking at his stupid face, and just now noticed that he has shaved off the bottom part. So now he just has a sweet stash.
1: Yes, I don't know if it's sweet. Uh, I was worried coming in today that Liz would not recognize me.
0: Because <laughs> I recognize you. Because
1: facial hair, when it's changed on anyone, it confuses Liz a little bit. A little bit. So I was honestly worried. I, was, I, I kind of showed up and I was waiting for you to walk in the office and see me sitting here and be like, is that you? Is this, do I know you?
0: But you did. It helped that you were in your chair. So I was like able to associate that with, you know, you being a person that I know.
1: Right. A lot of identifying markers other than the. The very small missing <laughs> patch of hair on my chin.
0: Yeah, we should talk. We're going to talk. We need to talk off mic a little bit more about the about the decision to keep the stash because I want to know more.
1: Oh, I'll explain it later. It's actually tied into part of the podcast. So. Oh,
0: fun. Okay, well, uh, let's get into our topic, which uh, is kind of. I feel Tom, like McLaughlin. Is, Tom McLaughlin. Tom McLaughlin. No.
1: Damn <laughs> it. James Franco.
0: No. Damn it. Literally every week for the last like two months, Ben has been saying we should just talk exclusively about James Franco for a podcast.
1: I think he's overdue.
0: We've talked about him a lot, though.
1: We did dedicate an entire podcast, basically, to, to James the dues. Franco. On the deuce. On the deuce. But now he's got a new movie out.
0: Yeah, and we cover movies all the time.
1: Well, he's a TV star.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's a fun argument we've been having. Um, we're gonna—I want to actually turn the conversation to what we previously set upon, which is. Um, freedom of choice. Oh. The freedom to choose.
1: That's very political. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that's what we were talking no,
0: about. No, I'm, I'm framing it in but a I broader way. Agree. But I've got freedom of choice when it. Uh, freedom of choice, dot, 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 when it comes to anthology series.
1: That's exactly what our headline should be when we write this story up.
0: Yes. It no, <laughs> will cause no controversy whatsoever. Um, <laughs> But the thing, uh, the thing, the reason we're inspired to talk about this, and I'll make Ben talk in more detail about it, is uh, Netflix has become a home for anthology series of late. And this uh, weekend, the weekend before this, as you listen to this, uh, they premiered the second season of Joe Swanberg's Easy, a show I like a lot, and I liked a lot in its first season. Ben is watching, is, is, has been watching and reviewing season two all day. Ben, how are you feeling? Your review is going to be out by the time we publish this. What's your grade right now?
1: Um, probably a an A minus. Oh, that's great. Maybe so a B plus. It, so it's really it's, it's fun. It is. I, I well, it's it's a lot of things. Um, fun is definitely one of them. Uh, it it's sharp. Um, I feel like he's digging into more challenging material this year. Um, I feel like he really kind of enjoyed continuing some of the stories from before while continuing to make standalone episodes. So like. There's characters that we saw in season one, but if for some reason you didn't see season one, you're not going to be lost. They're still telling kind of wholly uh, separate stories from what was going on before. You just have more background. Uh, And then there's also new characters that we've never met. And I think he's really enjoying his time kind of playing with that format because he was a little uncomfortable coming into TV with being boxed into certain things, so he wanted to keep it open. Um, And it's paying off. Like, I think it's a a tighter, smarter... um, Slightly better season. Definitely one if you enjoyed the first one, you'll enjoy it as yeah. well.
0: It, it, to to tell a little more about it, it's about, um, basically it's just about a random, not random, but assorted characters living in Chicago, interacting in various ways. Um,
1: yeah, it's about relationships. Um, yeah. And they're very, in many forms.
0: Like um, most of John's, Joe Swanberg's work. Exactly. Perhaps exclusively all of Joe Swanberg's work.
1: That's his jam.
0: So, uh, but I feel like the reason we're kind of inspired to talk about this is not just because the fact that Ben is watching the show, but because of the way Ben ended up watching it, which is to say, quote unquote, out of order.
1: Right. Uh, we should also clarify that we're we're mainly talking about shows that are episodic anthologies. So, like, you know, a lot of people say Easy Season 1 is just a collection of short films, which is kind of the mm-hmm. cheat way of talking about um anthology series that aren't necessarily like a true detective or an American horror story where they have a serialized season and then they have a whole new story for the next season. They have right. uh, individual episodes and each episode changes.
0: So theoretically you could watch season five of American Horror Story and then watch season two.
1: No, right. That's why it's, it's still an anthology series. Right. But you can't watch season five episode one and then watch season four episode nine. Of course. Whereas yeah. with Easy you could watch any of them in any order you wanted to basically and you'd be okay. Though there are – I mean, one group of characters actually has three episodes over two seasons, so you'd probably want to watch those in order. But anyway, uh, point being, when the screeners were assigned to me, um, basically it turns out that I think one was missing and two were out of order, so I, I I had the privilege of talking to Joe Swanberg. Uh, on Thursday after I'd watched all these episodes and I was wanted to talk to him about what I thought was the first episode. So when I started talking about it and I said episode one and it's about this, he kind of was like, wait a second, that's not episode one. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize. Um, so it, it framed the season differently, like mm-hmm. what he chose and what they ultimately chose to lead the season is an episode that for me was the sixth one that I watched. And basically that kind of made me ask myself if I saw the season differently based on the order in which I consumed these episodes even though they're not strictly tied together where you have to watch them in order like you can watch them in any order you want and you'll be okay um, but I am curious kind of in my own head it's like well to me the, the, the start of the season felt very charged and sexualized and opinionated and dealing with very challenging uh, ideas and then it kind of Loosened up a bit in later episodes, and, and maybe and delve back in a little, but not as much as the first. And then it turned out that's not how it's structured at all. It was actually a very fun light start to the season, followed up by slowly integrating more serious stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I bow to the decision of the filmmakers in this case. I am definitely not somebody who is going to when I first watch a season, even if I know everything, like we just said, that I can watch it anywhere I want. I'm not someone who's going to choose my own adventure i'm going to just start on one work my way down because somebody selected it that way um but considering everything from i mean just random people on the internet with random ideas of how you should watch things to uh the famous star wars machete debate, order the machete order correct uh which i think liz can explain much better than i can there's Ways to go about it which some people think improve the overall experience and that's really what we're all after anyway You want the best experience and uh, we're here to talk about if that's Possible different ways.
0: Yeah, it's a a complicated thing because uh, I I have a similar experience I've had a similar experience um, on my end with covering Black Mirror Um, Talking exclusively right now about season three when I when I was covering it last year um, I got assigned two episodes by Netflix It uh, during the summer, like uh, before, right before TCAs, because I was going to interview uh, two of the create the you know creator Charlie Brooks and his producing partner Annabelle Jones. Um, In doing so, the two episodes I was assigned were "Shut Up and Dance" and "San Junipero," which are two very different episodes as Black Mirror tends to go, and gave me a lot of different fodder to talk about with them. And it was a, but then you know when the full season was was. You know, released to me via screeners. Um, you should understand that, like, when we get these, we have like, there's a separate Netflix press site, so it's not like we log into Netflix.com. Uh, there's a whole other subdomain we go to to get uh, to get to get access to these screeners, and they're just kind of presented in a list. And sometimes there's not even no no identifying information about number order. Like, usually, if you're lucky, it's like you know with the serialized stuff usually it's like episode one episode two episode three yeah
1: usually they're numbered yeah but there's probably not titles like yeah, with we don't EZ, get titles with easy there was no titles so it was like even when i was trying to describe it to myself i couldn't i had to just use the actors but so usually that. there is at least numbers there to give you an idea of like okay i am going in the right order or i'm going in the order yeah the apps the, the, the season will be released
0: and uh you know with with Black Mirror, there was no order; it was just episode titles. But this meant that uh, I got to kind of choose when I was reviewing. Like I wasn't really even thinking necessarily about the fact that when you know f- viewers were going to load it up in a playlist, they were going to have a one through one through six option. They were going to watch it; that, they theoretically watch it in that order. Um, so I was just picking and choosing which episode I felt like watching at that moment, based on what I inf- what little information I had about what the episode was about, and. Uh, I don't, and I, and so I, I've had this anarchic experience, uh, but looking at the way that they ordered it, uh, I heard it, it, Charlie Brecker compared it to like making an album out of songs. Like, and, you know, your classic, you know, you know, you know artists, you know, musical artists will talk about, you know, the importance of an album versus just like random song selection. And, you know, looking at the way season three is ordered, it's it's an interesting mix because you start off with nosedive, which is a very, which is a very bright and colorful one, colorful installment, and then you kind of go into like a very dark and gritty place for two episodes with playtest and shut up and dance, then with Sangina Giunta it's kind of like a much lighter, more optimistic look at the world. Uh, then followed by an incredibly bleak and look at the world and then followed by kind of like a you know mid-level, a mid-level hated the nation I is an episode I really love it's got some bleak stuff in it but it's ultimately a, just a really satisfying narrative so it's it, it's interesting and I if I personally was going to reorder them I don't know how I'd do it but that's how Charlie Brooker wanted you to watch them and and Ben you've said that you Believe in what Charlie Brooker is. You believe that you should do what Charlie Brooker and Joe Swamberg want you to do. Well,
1: yeah, I, I think it's especially using the album uh, parallel. It's it's like these are the people who are in it the most. It's it's their baby, one way or another. Especially with these two examples that we've listed, like mm-hmm. these are the these are the people who created it, who wrote a lot of it, who've been spending time in it. Um, so they're the ones who are gonna think about the best way in which to watch it. Um, it's, it's gonna be more prevalent in their mind than anybody else's. And especially when nine times out of 10, you're, we're being presented with TV shows as seasons. And it's like, okay, so this season just came out. I just wanna watch it. I wanna make sure I see all of them. You just kinda wanna hit it and let it play. And I know that they know that it's gonna happen. 99% of people, I'm guessing, will end up watching Easy and Black Mirror in the order in which they're provided. And those creators are going to be very aware of that. And that's how they want. So they want to leave the best impression, both at they want to make an impression at the start. They want to leave you on a high. They want to keep you involved in the middle. Like all of those things are what goes into making a great album. All of those things are what goes into making a good season. Um, and I think that it stands up with episodic, just as, much, just as it does with serialized stories, because you've got to kind of keep that pace no matter what to keep people hooked.
0: But let me, let me let me throw out this hypothetical for you. Um, in case it's never come up on this podcast before, Ben does not like clowns.
1: Really don't.
0: Really don't. Uh, what if I said to you, and this is not true, uh, this is hypothetical, uh, that there's an episode of, the first episode of Black Mirror feature, the, uh, Black Mirror season four, features like a lot of scary clowns. Uh, but would you... Still be inclined to watch it, or would you just be like, I don't need to see it? It's not going to affect the plot of the show, it's not affect my enjoyment of other episodes as much at all because it's disconnected. So, I can skip the scary clown episode and I can just go to episode two.
1: Well, you're asking a very subjective opinion, yeah. But uh, I feel like
0: you know, everyone has their one thing that no, they...
1: I, I know, but I'm, I'm saying that there's going to be a lot of subjective answers that go into it, right? The, the things that are going to sway me one way or another are. If you tell me that that episode is the best of the season, I'm uh, going to I'm going to suck it up and watch it. That's just that's how I that's actually how I handle horror movies like in in theaters. Like if it's if it's a horror movie that's getting great reviews, if it's The Babadook or The Witch or Get Out, like I'm going to see it in the theater even though I'm going to get freaked out no matter what. Clowns me, or no. I will
0: I will I'll make it clear I am personally telling you you can skip the episode.
1: Okay, so you're telling me it's a bad episode and I can skip it.
0: I'm just saying you don't it's not good enough for me to say it's worth you watching. it, Which is basically the same thing.
1: Well, the other problem is I'm a completist. Right. So especially if I if I feel inclined to watch the season at all, if you're telling me it's a great season overall, mm-hmm. and especially – I mean, there's only six episodes. I think even if I skipped the first one and I watched them two through six, if I had the same reaction as you did, and I was like, wow, that was great. I think I'd end up just having to go back and watch – The first one anyway
0: even even if you're if if, if, so if i love the rest of the season you're still gonna end up watching episode one
1: probably just because i'd want to understand what he did wrong like Mm -hmm. i'd want to understand like okay how could you make so many great decisions five out of six ways and then what led you astray in this disaster mode it's it's the same reason i see a lot of movies that are done by you know directors or writers i really love But everybody says this is a huge misstep and a failure. And it's like, well, I got to see what they did. Like, I just want to understand how their mind jumped from here to there. So
0: that's why you saw War Horse.
1: That's absolutely why I saw War Horse. I've
0: been wondering for a while, because you keep mentioning War Horse, and you keep being really mad about it. I'm like, who saw War Horse?
1: I don't know if War Horse is a great example, because War Horse somehow inexplicably got good reviews. So most people were telling me to watch War Horse, and I did. And it was a massive mistake. Um,
0: Everybody wants to fuck the horse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, a future a future guest of the podcast will have plenty of, of more thoughts on Warhorse that we'll be able to share <laughs> that are much better than mine. Um, but uh, aside from that, I think that your your idea of like somebody telling you, even as a critic, like if I if I if my advice w- was the same as yours, where it's like go ahead and skip this episode, it's not very good and it could be traumatic and whatever. It's like, just watch the rest of it. You're better off. I think everybody's going to decide for themselves in that way. And that's something that, again, goes back to the core of our conversation. I think there's just some people out there who, who aren't completists, so then they wouldn't be bothered by it, and they do it. Or they, right. or they don't care about clowns, so they don't worry about the trauma, so they do it. Or they're just like me, and they're, all, they're freaks, and they're like, I just got to finish this thing off, and they'll do it. Um, but I think a rule of thumb stands, the, the idea that the creator knows best. And we should follow that through to the end.
0: This feels like a good time for me to explain what the Machete Order is. Right. Um, in ca- I feel like it's come up on this podcast before. And technically, when you talk about Star Wars, you're talking about episodes, so it all works out. Um, but the Machete Order is something that some somebody on the internet came up with many years ago. And the concept is uh, it's, a, it's the proper way, quote unquote, to watch to watch Star Wars, if you're introduced especially if you're introducing it, it to someone new, like say someone who wasn't alive when it was made, um, and it is a way of incorporating the pre- prequels into the process without with minimal pain, given that the prequels are in fact still the prequels. Um, and the machete order goes as follows: you watch Episode Four, you watch A New Hope, you get meet all these fabulous characters, and you get introduced to the world the same way that the rest of the, the, the America was in 1977. the world. The world. Um, then you watch episode five, Empire Strikes Back, crazy, crazy movie, arguably the greatest Star Wars movie ever made, still to date, and ends on a really intense cliffhanger. Uh, for, for those of you who, I, I will not spoil it for those who have not seen Empire Strikes Back. But anyway, so you got this intense cliffhanger at the end of uh, episode five, major reveals. And then, and that's when you go back and you watch the prequels. And... A lot of times, people also recommend at this point skip episode one. So don't even bother with episode one. In episode two, when this guy named Jar Jar Binks shows up and he's working for the Senate, and he's just like really chill, you're like, cool. This guy seems fun. Um, he doesn't seem objectionable at all.
1: Still debatable.
0: <laughs> Still debatable. But uh, then you go to if you the if you decide to cut out episode one, you just go straight to episode two. You meet this kid Anakin Skywalker. You find out what his deal is. Apparently he doesn't like sand. That's the thing. God,
1: I hate this already.
0: Then <laughs> that just just drives you up the wall, doesn't it?
1: Well, yeah, because honestly, episode two is worse than episode one. So let's just yeah. put that out there.
0: But you need it for plot reasons. I Well, and then you go to episode three, and then you go to episode three, and then you get. You get the final word on what this Anakin kid's deal is. And then you go to Return of the Jedi. So that was probably more detailed. And
1: then you go to A Force Awakens.
0: Yeah, and then you can go continue going with the J.J. Abrams verse. And
1: then that'll get chopped up when he's done.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, it'll be interesting to see how 7, 8, 9 get, get incorporated into all this. Probably they'll just go. They, I can't imagine they won't be watchable straight through, but
1: No I, I understand the basic structuring like the idea of this restructuring I should say um does it take into account like does the did the person who created this order right do they do they dislike Return of the Jedi
0: I think it's just the idea that um spoiler alert for the Star Wars franchise um the idea was his philosophy was that the big thing in Empire is, of course, like the reveal, that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. And especially given that we've already kind of been told that Luke, the name of Luke Skywalker's father was Anakin Skywalker, you're like, that's not Darth Vader. There's a, th- I thought those were different people. How can this be? Jumping from oh, Empire no. Strikes Back to episode two is the answer to the question of who is right. da- who is Anakin Skywalker and who is Darth Vader.
1: No, again, structurally, yeah. makes perfect sense to me. Right. The restructuring, it's like, Why I I don't think there's
0: anything against Return of the Jedi. I think the idea was simply that basically think of it more like just kind of you know the reward for getting through 2 and 3
1: yeah i think i think it's i think that's probably closer to what i'm thinking now i yeah. think it's more of a
0: and it's also a really satisfying ending
1: it is a satisfying ending i also think that it it looks better in comparison to the prequels than it does the original films.
0: One hundred percent.
1: And I think that one of the one of the worst things you can do with Star Wars trilogy is watch that slow descent into like cutesy uh, toy selling uh, abominations. Like you go from the Ewoks, which are like, oh my god, what have we done? And then you go to Jar Jar, and you're like, I didn't even realize it could get this bad. And then you enter into Episode Two, and you're just stunned by the inanity of everything going on and the the freaking clone army and the flying cgi yoda and you're just it's ridiculous
0: we're just gonna blow right past the part where you talk shit about ewoks because no they're terrible um oh but
1: the the thing that i the reason i brought it up was because i thought of another example uh both as film because apparently this is a film podcast now in that i tell people to this day that rocky five never existed Like, you should never watch Rocky V. No one should ever watch Rocky V. I
0: kind of want to uh, watch Rocky Five. I
1: love all the Rockies.
0: He loves all the Rockies. But
1: Rocky Five does not exist. And when you see it on paper, and if I, you talk about it too much, you will not be able to resist watching Rocky Five because you're like, oh, man, it's the fifth one. And it was the original ending. And, oh, man, they brought back John G. Alvinson, the uh, original director of the first film. Oh, I got to check this out. And no, don't do it. It's, it's horrible. It's a trap. It's a, tra- uh, it's a trap. Very good, Talia and Liz. Um, Thank you. But yeah, that's that's probably the only thing I can think of, even in TV. Like, I don't think, even in all of these shows, all of these seasons where uh, there might be integral plot points that you'd have to watch in episode four, but there's so many where there's not. There's so many where it's just a throwaway episode or, or you definitely don't need it to continue I don't know if there's anything where I'd just be like, skip it if it was something that I really cared about, if it was something that overall I thought was really, really good. I don't think I'd – like, there's not an episode of Mad Men I'd tell people to skip.
0: Well, I think you you are – I think the biggest one, I think, in prestige TV history is uh, the debate over Friday Night Lights Season 2, which I think – Yeah, which
1: isn't an debate. Watch it. You guys are insane. Like, anybody who's telling you to not watch Season 2 is just – no, they're wrong. They're insane. Season 2 is underrated.
0: Eh. Oh. Liz. Man. I know.
1: If Kyle Chandler heard you right now. If Connie Britton heard you right now.
0: Well, you're not even calling them by their proper names.
1: If the star of Bloodline heard you right now.
0: Not even calling them by their proper names. If
1: the star of Smilf heard you right now.
0: <laughs> not even calling them by their proper names.
1: If the star of <laughs> Fargo Season 2 and uh, Wait. The oh, Master okay. and... Lance? Uh Yep, there it is. <laughs> Landry, Landry, sir, coach.
0: God, remember important important programming note. Remember how in the year two thousand six, if you told someone that the most notable cast member of Friday Night Lights would end up being Landry,
1: he's not the most notable. Well, the
0: the most successful young man, young male actor in that show is Landry. No other. Who's had a better career than Landry? Kitsch. No, Kitsch has not had a better. People don't actually want to see Kitsch in anything.
1: Debatable. up. Stop
0: defending Battleship. Battleship. Please stop defending Battleship. I will
1: never. It is fantastic. Lone Survivor. Only the Brave got great reviews.
0: Oh, God. Jesse Plemons will outlive us all with his glory. Maybe. Lance. I just really want to say Lance again.
1: I love Jesse Plemons for the record. Correct. But point being, and maybe this is just that Liz's example of Friday Lights is the best example of why I, I am an adamant defender of, of being a completist and going all the way through, I think season two is an, an exceptionally strong season of television, especially in comparison to everything else out there and all in, in terms of other television shows that you could be watching and spending your time with instead. So to say you need to skip it because it's not on par with the arguably perfect first, fourth, and fifth seasons... Uh, It just seems insane to me.
0: I literally have written a book about what episodes to skip and watch of various TV shows, so I'm no one to talk here. I know. Um, Also, I have never seen most of season two of Friday Night Lights. Well. Because I was told by people I trust I don't need to see it, and I feel pretty good about it.
1: They're wrong. And, uh, dear listeners, I'm— I'm sorry, you're not even listening to this right now. Like, I've already lost you. You turned off the podcast. We've lost everyone. Because the
0: most important thing is that everyone always agrees with that. The
1: most important thing is that everybody always watches Friday Night Lights.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: There is a reason that when Leslie Nope asks what's the best show on TV, she says the correct answer is Friday Night Lights. I do
0: not dispute that She does not.
1: Slightest. She does not provide a caveat. There's no asterisk on the title. It mm-hmm. is Friday Night Lights. All the way through.
0: Perfect. Well, season... Three, 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 three through five are good enough to warrant that.
1: No. It's all good.
0: Uh, okay. It's
1: all at least good.
0: Um, I did have one. I think I had one One last point to bring up in this discussion before we move on to best thing, next thing, which is, you know, we're talking a lot about this, uh, about the – we're talking a lot about anthology series in the context of streaming services. Um, and we're, we're – like Netflix – Net, I feel like I feel like a, Amazon. I think has an anthology series of like Laura's technically. Laura, yeah, Laura's an the antho-
1: upcoming Philip K. Dick. Yeah, that's the that, that's sheep. the one I was
0: probably that was kind of nagging in the back of my brain. Um, and then you know I think Hulu has Hulu might have something I forget. Um, if they don't, I think Castle Rock is meant to be an anthology. So someday in the future they will have an anthology series for certain. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, point is that uh. Streaming services, they have a level of control over this. But I wanted to bring up something that's relatively archaic in this day and age, which is the concept of the TV marathon that happens on your actual goddamn cable television. And I think like the classic example of this is you know the whatever occasion sci- sci-fi or other networks have for running the Twilight Zone.
1: I really thought you were going to talk about how FX runs uh, marathons of the OC, but continue.
0: That has nothing to do with anthology series.
1: But I mean, that's what the whole days. Oh, see, it's great.
0: <laughs> but well, how do you feel Hop about in. the fact that you know basically in the especially before streaming services, there was no guarantee that you would watch any anthology series in any sort of order. Like, if, in, depending on like the way a cable marathon would work, like you would just turn on the TV, knowing there was a Twilight Zone marathon, you'd see what episode it was, and you'd be like, "Oh, it's this episode. Cool."
1: Uh, I mean, I'm. It's. It was the Wild West. You got to do what you got to do to survive. So the idea of of those shows being determined by someone else and it's out of your control. If that's a show that interests you, then watch whatever you can watch. Like just get it, however you can get it. Um, if we're like, especially if we're talking pre-DVR days where you could try to you know piecemeal things together in a specific order over a week or two or something. Yeah. Um, then by all means, yeah, I I totally support that idea. And I, I mean, there's plenty of people you talk to nowadays who say, you know, I've never seen Seinfeld all the way through, I've never seen Friends all the way through, I've never seen Cheers all the way through, because even those, even though those are available to stream, they watched them when they were on TV, and they just yeah. watched them whenever they could, because that's how it worked. And, I mean, that's those shows were not necessarily made with the intention that people would miss a lot of them, but they were definitely made with the knowledge that a lot of people wouldn't be able to keep up. And that's why serialized narratives have exploded over a time when, you know, the DVR came into existence and then, uh, you know, personal recording and and, uh, online and streaming, et cetera, et cetera. Because now people can keep up and they want to make sure they see everything that's out there and people have adjusted since. So when you ask me about the questions now, it's definitely a different question than it was back then.
0: Yep. Order versus chaos.
1: Chaos is all around us.
0: Yep. We don't need it on our TV, I guess. Chaos Reigns. Chaos Reigns. Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? All right. So. This is covering like a long period of time.
1: It is, but it literally happened this morning. Oh. <laughs> well, what I'm going to use as my example happened this morning. Because this is this is a unique example of, of television having an effect without it necessarily being the best television in the world. And I've talked about this too much. And I actually, I, I shouldn't have said... listeners left when liz started confessing to not watching certain acclaimed programs that are obviously the best television series ever made um they left when i repeatedly discussed my (laughs) inexplicable love for lethal weapon
0: oh my god (laughs) and
1: i still i still very much enjoy lethal weapon i enjoy lethal weapon even when they are an episode that's literally them, like the coroner. Are you coroner. caught up on lethal weapon? Oh, for sure. Oh, the coroner is writing a script. And he's using the characters, like he's using Martin Riggs and Roger Murtaugh as characters in his movie script. And they're kind of making very obvious, subtle digs at the movies or references to, like, the actual Lethal Weapon movies. And uh, also being, like, kind of meta where they're talking about how Murtaugh just isn't as interesting as Riggs because he's not as dynamic of a presence on screen and he's very predictable in what he's going to do. And he plays things safe because he has a family. Like... So this is
0: like that X-Files episode where they make the movie based on Mulder and Scully?
1: Yes, except there's a real movie that exists that they make references to, like, Murtaugh, do you have a catchphrase? And he was like, well, when I was about to jump out of that, I was going to say I'm too old for this shit. And then his wife goes, save it for the movie. And then we laugh because it's in the movie.
0: Uh, anyway. Wow, that's, that is meta.
1: Point being, this morning, December 1st, as I was looking in the mirror getting ready for work and I turn on Lethal Weapon <laughs> in the background and I've got it running oh. and I'm shaving my face and I look at my kind of long, coif. slicked back quaff. that's a little ragged, a little jumbly because I just got up and I'm, I'm looking at my face, which doesn't have a full beard, it's just kind of got like a thing on my chin and like a little bit of a mustache. As I'm looking in the mirror and I'm shaving off the chin thing, I realize, oh my God, I am... A couple of tattered shirts and and Texas twang away <laughs> from being Martin Riggs.
0: You, This is, in fact, the closest you've ever come to looking like Clayne Crawford. Exactly. And, I mean, that's kind of the dream. It is. Now, here is the question, and this is the most important question. Continue. Can you keep this going and perhaps go even further with it? Grow out the mustache, grow out the hair. Until the T- Fox TCA party in January.
1: So it's the first week. It's the first It's only week about of, five weeks.
0: It's only about five weeks because Fox is the first uh, first uh, day of TCAs.
1: I'm going to say that I don't know because I really don't like the feel of this mustache.
0: But I want this for you, Ben.
1: I did already talk to uh, my stylist. Shout out to Debbie Does Hair in Toluca Lake, California. <laughs> if anybody's out there, Debbie's the best. Go. Uh, I did mention to her that I want to grow out the hair, like, keep growing it out. Right. Like, let it get a little longer in the back, blend it in a bit or whatever.
0: Right. Um, So plans are in place for this.
1: So it could happen. Right. The problem being, I've met Clayton Crawford before. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't think he'd remember me by any means. Sure. But I think it would be extra weird if he did remember me and he also was like, why do you look a lot like I look? This is really creepy.
0: This is what I want more yeah, than anything in this world.
1: I just think he pulls it off and I I I think I think I could too.
0: I think you could too. I believe in you.
1: Anyway. <laughs> that's the best thing I saw on TV last week. Liz, <laughs> what about you?
0: Um I'm going to shout out Brooklyn 99. We're keeping this in the Fox family today. Um and uh, t- uh as you listen to this tomorrow is Tuesday. And Tuesday marks the 99th episode of the show, which is the one they're choosing to honor as like the big celebration uh, for obvious reasons. And uh, they I don't know how much I can say about it. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a fun it's a really fun episode. It kind of gives all the characters like big fun comedy moments. And uh, it also includes a really massive diehard sequence. So we're, not only are we Sports. talking about, we're talking about lethal weapon and diehard. When, it, when it's not a diehard sequence, it's just like, expect diehard stuff, is all I'm saying.
1: Remember when somebody at the TCA asked Andy Samberg if he thought that his character on Brooklyn Nine-Nine watched the Lethal Weapon TV series?
0: Yeah, remember when it was you and I had to give you an RB sandwich in order for you to do it? Yes. <laughs> and remember when Andy Samberg kind of whiffed the question?
1: Yeah. Well, he didn't, he laughed it off. I mean, he yeah. laughed it off. He
0: didn't take it seriously. Right. Which probably means he doesn't think that Jake would watch *Lisa Weapon.
1: Probably means that he doesn't think that I'm a serious journalist.
0: <laughs> it was a serious question. It
1: was a serious question, but I didn't have to bribe you to do it, but I it was a serious not, question. It didn't even take the bribe. As soon as I put it out there, I just cashed in on the opportunity.
0: <laughs> you didn't even take the bribe. You just ate bribe the, you just ate the it sandwich. It didn't
1: require a bribe for ah. me to ask the question. I just saw an opportunity to get a sandwich and took it.
0: Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Weird things happen at TCA's, you guys. Yeah, sorry. Uh, What's the next thing you're looking forward to?
1: The next thing I'm looking forward to, Elizabeth, is Jean-Claude Van Johnson. Ah! Uh, My old buddy from Expendables 2 and various other films, including Universal Soldier. um, And the great and hopefully kind of starting point for Jean-Claude Van Johnson, JCVD. Mm -hmm. Great film. Um, I barely remember the pilot. I know it came out. It was part of the pilot season yeah. earlier this year and uh, last year. Somewhere around there.
0: I think it might have been part of the same block as The Tick.
1: Sounds right. Um, I barely remember the pilot. I remember thinking it was pretty good, but I wasn't sure how they were going to build an entire show off of it. Right. Um, but I'm excited to see what they do with it. It's coming out on Amazon uh, mid-December. Um, I think we have screeners now, but I haven't been able to watch them yet. Uh, So yeah, I think that's the that's the next one. It's it's something that it's a little bit different It's got an actor who has proven he's got a little more in the Mm -hmm. In the drawers than we thought and uh, and yeah, I think it'll be I think it could be good.
0: Yeah, it looks fun Uh, And I want to make sure we note that it's directed by the director of Keanu Peter Atensio Who also did a lot of Keanu Peel sketches in episodes, so he's a guy worth paying attention to
1: looking forward to some cats and some George Michael
0: You may not get those things. Who knows? Damn it. Yeah. Can't guarantee.
1: Well, Liz, what are you looking forward to?
0: Well, I'm looking forward to... The answer is uh, still we're still in the Fox family. That was totally an accident. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing this upcoming new show called LA to Vegas. Um, If only because of the ridiculous way in which I'm going to be watching it, which is uh, via a Fox promotional event, I am going to be flying from Los Angeles to Vegas. And they are putting us on a plane, and they are, with the, with some of the cast and the crew, I believe, cast and producers, so if you hear about Will Ferrell and Adam McKay dying in a plane flight um, on the way to Vegas... It's uh, Liz's fault. A, it's my fault, B, I'm also probably dead.
1: No, you'd arrange a clever escape.
0: You have a lot of faith in my ability to jump out of a plane, which I... Yeah. We'll, we'll go into that later. Um And... <laughs> Uh, More importantly, uh, it is a, it looks like a fun comedy. I'm a little, I'm not totally sure about it, but Dylan McDermott, sporting an amazing stash.
1: Dylan McDermott, I have said this before, I will say it again. Right. He is an underrated comedic performer. He is very funny. He is. So I am looking forward to this as well.
0: Yeah, so it'll be uh, so I'm I'm seeing it this ridiculous press thing. Uh, they're gonna show it on the plane, and then we go to a we're in Vegas, and we go to a party in Vegas, and then they fly us back that night. Uh, so we'll see how all of that goes because logistically this sounds insane and relatively impossible.
1: I kind of hope it's a at least a little bit of a prank in which they they fly you to Las Vegas, but they don't fly you back because they're like the name of the show is L.A. to Vegas. It's not Vegas to L.A. Fair. And then Will Farrell just kind of delivers that at the end of the night when everybody's like, where do we go now? He's like, we'll just go to the hotel and then tomorrow morning figure out a way to get home.
0: <laughs> I mean, if they paid for a hotel, that almost might be worth it. Yeah. I, could, I could hitch.
1: Oh, yeah. You could. Yeah. It's I not, got gamps. Not a hard way to make big.
0: Yeah. So... <laughs> So uh, you'll be able to, you can look at my Twitter feed probably on Thursday for details on how all that goes, uh, but you can also go to IndieWire.com where you'll be able to read all about these things and more, uh, and with reviews, news, interviews, features, all the stuff you like.
1: And make sure to check out the burgeoning IndieWire podcast community. Empire. Um, oh my, I didn't quite realize we'd burgeoned that much to be able to call it an empire, but why not? Um, we got four. Got We've got quite a few. We've got Turn It On with our very own Michael Schneider. Uh, we've got uh, the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast, the one that started it all with Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn, who just released their individual top 10, actually top 17 by Eric and top 12 They're films such of cheaters. the year. Uh, yeah, they got some extra ones in there, but, you know, the top 10 is still present. So uh, read those whenever you get a chance. Make sure you listen to the podcast, where I'm sure they've discussed it. And, uh, of course, last and certainly not least... The Wonderful, The One and Only, The Star of All Stars, Chris O'Fault, and the Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast.
0: I would love, the way you describe Chris is always so lovely and so generous, and I bet he's never heard it once.
1: I love Chris. He's great.
0: He is great. He's a wonderful person.
1: Yeah, he deserves every bit of praise I can heap upon him.
0: You know who else deserves praise is Ben at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters.
1: I do not, but please take it and deliver it to its proper recipient, Liz, at Lizlet on the Twitters.
0: Thanks. We will be back next week. Uh, Thank you so much for listening today. And as always, keep watching television.